Pokemon Go, hugging a QI elf, and Great Auntie Beryl. This is Staying In. Did I tell you about the time when I was a kid and we went to visit my great auntie Beryl? Right. (laughs) Right, immediately I'm on board, Chris. I'm on board. Go on. What what happened in your Beano story of a life (laughs) that meant that you went to go and see great auntie Beryl? Go on. Well, we did it like once a year or so. We'd go out, um, she lives down, she lived down in uh, Windsor and we'd go down there and for some strange reason my parents I think she was quite into like stuff being neat and tidy so we had to kind of act very prim proper correct which is why my dad in his wisdom decided just before we arrived outside her house was to go and get the car washed so we pull into the car wash and I had it like in my hand I think I got it like in like a cracker or something or maybe in a free free in a copy of a beano a stress toy one of those squeezy stress toys and I remember just, I was squeezing it, I was, I, was, I was tying it almost in knots and wringing it almost like a dishcloth until it went, Poof! and basically, <laughs> for those who don't know, inside one of these stress toys, you think it's just, it's basically, it's basically glue. I'm, let's, let's, let's be honest. So my hands are actually stuck together. And, and my little sister next to me, she tried to pull my hands apart. And she ended up getting her hands stuck to my hands. And then my brother either side of me tried to pull her hands away from my hands. And so, but he ended up getting stuck. So all three of us had our hands stuck together in the middle of all the worst places to be in the middle of a car wash. There's nothing we could do about it. And that was also the same time my brother hadn't wound up the window properly. So foam was coming in through the passenger windows as well. Just a complete odyssey of pain. Um, so we turned up at Auntie Beryl's. With our, our hands stuck together with like suds inside the back of the car oh, I, th- I think oh, God, I, I don't think... like all of that was amazing wasn't it like, I don't I don't know what happened there I don't know what happened so I was out this weekend uh, wandering through lovely Bristol enjoying the sun having a lovely time out with my partner and uh we were wandering about and from the horizon I see swarms of people heading towards me swarms and swarms of people on the, in on in the in town this is heading heading down Park Street as I head up Park Street lots of people heading towards me and I thought oh oh maybe there's a there's a march on like Bristol's quite a politically motivated town politically engaged um, maybe there's some sort of, you know, uh, lads day out, you know, hen night kind of a thing. It's a bit early for a hen night, but because uh, it's just middle of the day. Oh, and those aren't really that? for lads. And they're not really for lads. And no, it was a whole bunch of people on their phones playing Pokemon Go. And wow. I, I had, li- I mean, there must have been, no joke, about 50, 60 people, like just in procession. And um, Alex and I, We've been playing Pokemon Go a little bit. I've, I've not been playing it as much as she has. But she was like, oh, that's really weird. Loads of people playing Pokemon Go. Why is that? And she flipped open. Uh, flipped open. It's not, it's not 2004. <laughs> uh, she unlocked her phone. Um, and uh, she unlocked her phone. And it turned out that Park Street in Bristol has become this, this mecca for people dropping lures and lures in Pokemon Go are they sort of 
people they're like one-off items and you drop them in a specific geographical location and for x number of minutes and hours i think they attract wild pokemon to them and obviously the whole point of pokemon go is you want to catch as many pokemon as you possibly can and all up and down park street in bristol it's just people dropping lures left right and center i don't know whether or not it's the shops doing it or just people doing it it's become like a one of the like roads in Pokemon Blue or Red or Yellow. It's like it's actually become a place in Bristol to walk up and down just collecting Pokemon, and that's what these people were doing. They were just on mass collecting things. I had no idea. I mean, I knew it was big because Pokemon Go's become the most played game and most successful uh, mobile game in in whatever. Um, like pushing Clash of Clans and Game of War and all these absolutely massive you know, flagpole, oh my goodness, this is free-to-play mobile gaming. It's pushed all of them out. I had no idea it was this big, though. Like, it, and and seeing all of those people, oh my word, it was, it was a little bit frightening. It was a little bit like, why is... Uh, I don't know, like, it, it, it was like video games crossing over into the real world and somehow my brain just couldn't quite comprehend that oh yeah this many people playing this game and this game being specifically location-based gaming means that i'm gonna see more of this stuff, sort of stuff in the future but it was absolutely it was shocking have you got i mean is that something that you guys have experienced yeah. I, know you, I mean i mean you guys have yeah, been I playing mean, bits and pieces i mean like uh, where i am in liverpool as you say pete we have our own kind of park lane it's it's the promenade by the mersey and right, i was okay. walking there last week like you in the sun and I was on, I was actually on Pokemon Go and I realized I got to a point where I looked up from my phone and there were lots of people kind of surrounding me and, it, and I realized we were kind of in a hot spot. Right. And I caught about five Pokemon in one area and all the other people were doing the same, way as me, same as me, really, all catching the same kind of Pokemon. And you kind of look up and you kind of nod your head and smile at each other and there's mm. this kind of a, it's kind of what these, um, these uh, social anthropologists call communitas. It's where you have these very short, spontaneous communities that erupt almost out of nowhere, and then are gone. Right. They're not organised, they just happen. And there's something, it's almost kind of like that game company's journey, when you meet and walk with somebody. You've not arranged to do that, you just meet and walk, and that's it. Mm. And you can't track that person down, it's fleeting. It's mm. a brief encounter. You were saying that like you didn't realize how big a uh, how big a hit it would be. I don't think Nintendo were, because for the first few days, because I managed to get it through various means a week early so I was using it in the UK there was an article love, in the Independent which tells you how to do it yeah I love but and, I love the way that you were sort of a little bit coy about that as if, as if I like, know oh, I, I got it a little week early and, oh. so like um, um, but then when, when it when it when it obviously debuted in the UK, I mean, it took me like a few. It took me about days of trying to try and get onto it because the servers were just um, pushed to their maximum and it was very hard mm. to get in. Mm. Uh, I know a lot of people had teething problems in the early stages, and they have promised Nintendo to fix those server issues. And there's mm. been lots of articles written about it, the negatives of it, all people staring to screen versus the positives of people going out and exercising. I mean, a guy we went to uni with, he doesn't really exercise. He's just put up on Facebook. He's walked 100 kilometers because of this game. What? In total. 100k from playing Pokemon Go. Jeez, Louise. And it's extraordinary that actually it's it's kind of doing what all those kind of interesting augmented reality apps like Zombies Run, which I've which I present I've published on, and I, I'm very much interested in games that happen in the real world. This gamification mm. of everyday spaces it turns the cities into these ludic places where you can kind of, the city becomes a playground. And there have been some 
unforeseen um, and quite dangerous aspects of this game where people have actually been using lures and things to actually mug people in real life. <laughs> really? Yeah, people have been mugged through Pokemon Go. Um, there was a child who found a dead body through Pokemon Go. But isn't this? But this is the this is the thing. Like, isn't this just like the more people who are out and about in a dangerous wide world, the more people are going to get injured? I mean, like, like oh I yeah, of course, of course, of course. The, I mean, but this is this to me. This is exciting. This is people exploring their environments and their habitats. Like, I see some of these like bad news stories and stuff like that, and actually, I get really upset by it because I just think to myself. Like people, video games can't win at the moment. It's like it used to be when Pokemon came out. It used to be, oh, Pokemon full of demons and like it's you know anti, uh, you know anti-Christian. These these you know worshiping these these pocket gods or whatever. And then it was like, and then it was like, oh, kids staying indoors, playing video games and not going out and socializing with their friends. And you know, oh, kids not understanding what it is to own a pet. And then like Pokemon has all of this stuff. And then suddenly Pokemon's like, right, do you know what? We're gonna we're gonna create this game where you have to actively go outside and be a part of a community, and then people are like going outside all the time, spending all their time on their phone, and while they're outside, why can't they just enjoy nature? It's just like this. I I don't know. Like I find I find some of these. I've been trying to ignore all of these bad stories. I think all of these good stories just kind of get like this hundred k thing. This that's fantastic. These these kids who are uh, you know. Um, you know, uh, in in hospitals at the moment, who can't get out and play Pokemon Go. You know, people coming along, dropping lures outside. Yeah. Thing. that's an amazing, amazingly generous act. Like I'm like, I, I so I've been playing Pokemon Go, and I think I, you know, I think it's fun. Like I, play, I, I drop in and out of it, and it's and it's quite enjoyable. I know Alex is really into it. Um, I think it's okay. Um, I'm not. I'm, I'm fascinated by it as to what it's doing in terms of gaming and society and that sort of stuff. Like, how's it how's it affecting London, Dan? Have you been wandering around and, like, uh, catching London? I mean, I'm assuming, like, coughing is mostly what you get in London because of the smog. Yeah, that's exactly how it works. Is it funny? Is it how it works? I, I mean, I've, I've had a go of the game. Um, I must be one of the kind of the few people who doesn't really get it. I obviously get it in the sense of I understand what it is. It's not in any way made me want to go out and about and do all exploring and stuff because I don't th- yeah. I don't feel like I'm exploring local areas. You haven't wanted. Well, why aren't you exploring? You should go out and explore. Them. You should go and see what's nearby you. But oh, what I mean, what I mean get... is, if I'm going to find a Pokemon, I'm not exploring areas because I'm just looking at my screen and taking me to a certain place. I'm not exploring. But to get to your to get to your question. What's interesting is that people are asking because obviously I play games, so I know about this stuff, and obviously just through kind of curiosity I automatically download it to see what it's about but you find people who never play games suddenly mm. are interested and yeah. that's what it's that's what it's been really interesting for that people who just they have no interest in the gaming culture suddenly it's same it was a similar thing that you had with Candy Crush when that exploded that suddenly my parents were playing Candy Crush and they still play Candy Crush it's to, they've got to like some insanely high level but it's I've been sat at people with people at work and that conversation has come up because I, I work in an office where I'm pretty much probably one of the youngest in the office so a lot of the people in the office are older than me and most of them don't play video games and stuff mm. like that so the fact that they're sitting there talking about video games and what is this Pokemon Go how does it work all that stuff that's really interesting yeah. um, I've not seen what you've seen in terms of masses of people that could be just because I'm not in an area that that for whatever reason, as you say, for whatever reason that particular street 
has become a, a hub where people are dropping lures all the time and maybe just there's not been anything around here but it, it is a, it, it's a really interesting thing to have all these different non-gamers play suddenly playing this one game and the fact that this game in particular is the one that's done it that does encourage walking around and that's a i love that idea when you explain to people mm. this game and they say well, okay well how do you go and get them and i was like you have to go and get them yeah but mm. how do i do that like literally you have to walk there you've got to uh, leave your house yeah you've got to leave that because for example if you look at something like on YouTube, you can watch videos which are 360 degree videos. So you look at them, and you have to move your phone around to get a whole look at the whole room. So it's very interactive. It's a really cool kind of cool piece of technology. But you've also got the option of just using your finger and scrolling around the screen and moving it around. Mm. So there's a cheat yeah. that you don't actually have to do the work of pretending you, you're actually in the space. Pokemon Go doesn't have that. There's no option for you to have a control yeah. pad that you can move. And people just... It's funny watching people come come to that realization that I, I have to walk to the end of the road. That's mm. really weird. And I love the fact that, I mean, obviously I don't know how the systems works, but hypothetically it's based on say a Google maps style thing where yes, name, is, yeah. named yeah, places become things. So they're either a shop or they're a gym. So you go to the pub at the end of the road and it's a gym. That's amazing. Yeah. That's such a clever idea. At first, when I saw it, I was I, like, wow, the, the pub end of my, at the end of my road is a gym. I wonder if they've had to pay for that or something like that. And then I realised, oh, it's just pick things up off. I, really, I also really love the fact that um, you find certain types of Pokemon in certain areas, and it's all based on geography. So, for example, round my way, um, we get a lot of drowsies. <laughs> so we get loads and loads of drought. I think I don't know why. Like it's a slightly sleepy area. Maybe it's something to do with that. Um, but further into town, just by where, um, just by one of the art galleries, there's lots and lots and lots of pigeons that um, that cluster there. And strangely enough, you find lots of pidgeys as well. Hmm. Um, except for there's a a, a big. Uh, so and then if you wander down further down towards the water in Bristol, it becomes more water based Pokemon. Yeah. And I just, and apparently there are, and I, I, I you know, I, I don't know how true this is, but like, apparently there are some Pokemon which you're just not going to get unless you go to a different country or a completely different area, for example. Mm. So like Diglets, the little, um, they look like sort of, I don't know, they look like whack-a-mole things. Diglets are like this part of the original 150 Pokemon small little ground-based Pokemon. Apparently they only really reside in arid areas and that's within the fiction of the game, but also in our world as well so you've got to go to slightly drier locales to find a diglet i i just find that absolutely fascinating and i think the ultimate thing about all of this and i can't wait to find what find out what this is but i cannot wait now for us to go to scarfell pike because i'm going to find out what's at the top of that mountain what pokemon am i going to get <laughs> at the top of scarfell pike you'll probably get pending. there and you'll have no reception <laughs> and your 4G but, but won't work you may, and it'll be very disappointing I think I, I mean to answer your point Dan because there'll be a lot of people listening to this who have been a bit turned off by the idea of Pokemon Go where it's because they don't like that idea of a game or secondly it's just because everyone's raving about it it'll put them off but there's something quite interesting in the fact that like I don't actively go out and look for Pokemon I won't change my route like some people will go out in the morning they'll yeah, go out and look yeah. for Pokemon and come back I, I actually just if I'm somewhere and I'm waiting and I'm killing time I think oh yeah I'll just just out an idle curiosity I'll see what's around it like um, I went uh, oh, where did I go I went to a park last weekend and the person I was with 
their bike got a puncture so we had to get the train back so we're waiting at the train station and she was like okay we'll just have, see if you see if there's any pokemon here i was like okay and what you've got in the game as you're aware is that um as well as finding pokemon as well as gyms there are also places where you can find the um pokeballs spare pokeballs which you throw to catch the um the pokemon and you spin this little disc and usually these places are located in little landmarks in your area and it was like uh the Liverpool plate. I was like, what the hell's a Liverpool plate? And I looked, and inside the waiting area for the trains, this artist had done this thing that had been commissioned to this artist. And I would never have known that was there yeah, if it wasn't same. for Pokemon Go. And yep. I read up about that artist, I looked at the painting, and mm. it's really interesting how it doesn't seem random. Like, like we were on a street the other day, and like on this huge, lovely street in, in Liverpool, Bold Street, the two places it chose to get Pokeballs, one was Help the Age UK, and the other one was Oxfam. These two quite, you know, it wasn't like a big corporation. It wasn't the Starbucks across the road. It picked these two places for you mm. to go to flock to, to get your Pokeballs. And I don't yeah. know if that was a coincidence or not. There's something very interesting in here. It's kind of this ethical way of mapping. Mm. Um, and I'm very interested to see how it's going to affect people's movements. I also love the idea that you might get a Mew on someone like the Isle of Wight. All these people all over the world just <laughs> bombard this tiny little place. It is an, that is an interesting thing of the idea of playing it and then suddenly you'll be like, oh my God, this, people have been looking for this around the world and I've found it. That's a really cool idea that that theoretically could happen. But I, I did have a conversation with people the other day about it and while some people were getting it, other people weren't and they thought perhaps it was a bit better than it was and they were like, so what happens? So if, if there's one appears in the office, does it, I don't know, does it hide behind the desk? Does it, I was like... It, it's not it's not that complex it doesn't know exactly <laughs> where it is it doesn't it doesn't hide behind a desk and kind of move your stuff um so i had to kind of explain the kind of the basis of it, it was lit it's literally projected onto your camera to make it look kind of cool yes so that's another thing unfortunately i've got a phone that doesn't have a gyroscope so i can't use that augmented reality feature so i can't actually see the pokemon in the wild through my phone i just see it on the map which is a bit of a shame, but actually it hasn't oh. really detracted from my enjoyment of it. Chris, the yes, other day I, I saw a picture on Twitter that you did that I actually, was it on Twitter or did you see it on Snapchat? I don't remember. Which I didn't question because I knew I was talking to you, so I wanted to ask you then. You were wearing a motion capture foot. Yes, I managed to get a gig helping out a, a, a PhD student at a university working in biomechanics who wanted to monitor um, different people's foot movements. And so I, w I turned up and I was told to wear skin type fitting stuff. That's why I didn't send you the full photo. <laughs> um, thought I'd be a bit odd. Yeah, um, sorry, sorry, hold on a sec. So uh, you're on Craigslist and uh, there's, somebody says, it, yeah. turn up. Very common for motion some... capture. That's how Andy where's, Circus where, did it. Where's something skin type? We're gonna put some balls on you. Is that is yeah. that what you? Yeah. That was it. These little dots, and it is like they have in the films. So they cover these little dots, and they're at, they're at particular points anatomically, like where you know your joints are and stuff like that. And it's really quite cool. It's like they have in the films. And you walk into this kind of lab, and there are all these cameras surrounding you on the floor, and there's cameras up on the ceiling, and they're all just tracking your movements. And I spent about an hour and a half just running back and forth while they were tracking the movements of my um, my my foot. And, and one thing I didn't realize was that these things are kind of held on with sellotape and actually it's not very, you, you, find a feel, you kind of feel, obviously you feel self-conscious because you're wearing skin tight stuff, 
And randomly, they put me in a sports bra as well, which I thought was a bit odd because there was no reflectors on that or dots. So I think that might have been a prank. And I was running back and forth for an hour and a half. And, yeah. and, and occasionally, these little things would ping off me. I'd feel them go and they'd fly across the room and I had to go and grab them. They'd sell take them back on. And, and, it was, and, I got, and afterwards, I went to the computer and I watched my Are you kind sure of stick this leg. No, it was, it was legit. I'm going back again on Wednesday. So, so were you were you seeing were you seeing the like, kind of the joints moving kind of how how your toes move? Yeah, exactly like everything because they put like motion capture on my toes and things, so I could actually see my toes moving <laughs> as I was running, which was really cool. And I've got very long toes; they're like fingers. So <laughs> this it was is a true. really interesting. I think, I think we've talked about this before. You and your finger toes. The unthinkable has happened. Go on. I'm genuinely excited for a Sonic the Hedgehog game in the year of our Lord 2016. But which one? Sonic Mania. Because whatever the other Sonic one is, that's, like, not to be disparaging, but Sonic Team's had 15 years to balls up that franchise, and the Christ and Christian Whitehead, who is just to me just understands what Sonic the Hedgehog is so he was responsible for doing the ports of Sonic the Hedgehog 1, 2 and I want to say Sonic and Knuckles Sonic CD I want to say Sonic CD oh. actually um, on iOS he basically took Sega's original version the mobile versions and they just weren't brilliant like they had slowdown it was like what? anyway so Christian Whitehead he took those and did versions himself that were sort of a little bit naughty for the original one and then I think the story goes that Sega got in touch with him and basically said can we just use your version and make it official and he was like yeah cool do it whatever and then he did number two and then Sonic CD which was really really wanted he's involved in Sonic Mania and Sonic Mania which got revealed at that god awful Sonic event that was at um, San Diego Comic Con the, it, Sonic Mania was like the best thing at that event like I, just looking at it going Oh, you're making an old school 2D 2D Sonic game and it looks like it's fast but not super fast with whole like and it looks like it's the old style visual yeah. graphics before before uh, Sonic 3 uh, sort of made things slightly more made Sonic slightly smoother slightly I don't know slightly more lean it looks like they just Oh my god! It looks exciting. I've not been this well, excited like, about a Sonic I, game since like I the advanced tell titles. If, if it was kind of the old Sonic games slightly revamped, or with with some new sections, or was it completely new? It was a bit. It was a little bit mixed message, wasn't it? It was like here are the old things, and also a whole bunch of new levels and concepts that we've had. And it sounds a lot actually like Sonic Jam, which was. Um, Sonic Jam was like a collection of all of the Sonic games um, on the Saturn, and it was done because Sega basically knew they wouldn't they wouldn't have a proper full-on Sonic game for the Saturn. So, like, well, if we compile all the other ones, then we can get away with it, and mm. fans will be fans will be happy. And and indeed, they were because Sonic Jam was was a really good collection. It sounds a little bit like that. It feels like a like a celebration, maybe like a it's twenty five years, hooray! Let's celebrate, you know, Sonic's really fantastic old stuff, and then maybe where he might be going, you know, two D wise uh, in in the future. I mean, I just I'm genuinely surprised that I'm actively excited for a Sonic game. I just I every single time that they've done an announcement, I've just been like, ah, who cares? Like they're just gonna ruin it again. But Christian Whitehead being involved just makes me go. 
brilliant yeah yes like bring it on I really want to see what, what you do with this you know what actually it's a, it's a really weird thing to be excited about um, and it's a, probably a really geeky nerdy thing to be excited about but when I was when I kind of saw the reveal of it I got really excited about the idea of it being on my big widescreen TV mm. so not so not having to worry about it being put into the 4-3 kind of ratio being put into that full 16 by 9 widescreen filling my TV the way it would have been when I first got it. When I first got it, I'd have had a four by three TV. That's that's the way yeah. you'd have played it. The idea yeah. of just having that on a widescreen, I was like, yeah, that that looks awesome. And they're not hiding any of the pixels. They're not doing any of that. They're not doing any of that rounding off the edges. They are. It looks like they're celebrating the fact that there are pixels yeah. here. And I love the idea of 1080p pixel art, like, but proper, done like properly old school, but with new animation. Like that just. To me, that just says, yeah, this 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 seems like a project where somebody at Sega gets it. Like they just go, yeah, let's make a Sonic game for the old school Sonic fans. But for um, for every person at Sega that gets it, there's another person who thinks, no, 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 we need a grittier Sonic. We need we need we need a Sonic that's fighting a resistance, which is where we come to the, the other the, game, the, where we have Shadow the Hedgehog. I think it was pretty clear that Sonic Mania. At SDCC was meant to be a you're the hardcore fans you totally get this 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 isn't this is I'm sure it'll be you know fun for kids and all that sort of stuff but this is kind of for the fans that grew up with it and played those old school games and understood what those games were all about I, I arguably where Sonic was at his best whereas the other game which has been announced for Nintendo NX uh, uh, PS4 X1 all that sort of stuff to me that just says that that to me will be their next Sonic boom. That will be their next. Okay, kids, let's franchise the hell out of this. Um, that will be their next big title like that. Well, like, coming, I mean, it's coming to it's coming from the guys who have actually made some half decent next gen Sonic games. I mean, Sonic Colors was yeah, very popular. Absolutely. It was it yeah. Sonic Colors was a good step in the right direction. I think Sonic Generations was a good step in the right direction. I still didn't quite like what what they did with the 3D stuff, but like Sonic's been getting gradually better, and I and it you know there were some pretty low points, but like gradually Sonic's been getting very very good. And of course we also forget the fact that Sonic Advance was very good. Sonic uh, on uh, the the 2DS Sonic games were very very good as well. Uh, the two original ones. Sonic, Sonic Rush. Sonic Rush, they, yeah, yeah, Sonic Rush on DS was was really good. Like, I I think that there were a whole bunch of uh, uh, Sonic. It was a 3DS one as well that was actually quite good. There were plenty of there's been plenty of okay Sonic games, and I'm I'm really glad that somebody in at Sega is at the helm and they're they're making the 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 franchise Sonic, which is the okay we need to sell toys and uh, duvet covers and uh, you know magazines and all this sort of stuff based on Sonic the Hedgehog therefore we need a game to keep this license going that's fine what I'm super excited about with Sonic Mania is to me Sonic Mania doesn't feel like that it feels like a Sonic game for the for the older crowd if like they're just going yeah sod it why not like it's 25 years let's let's see whether or not the fans who have been shouting about having an old school an old school Sonic game if we get somebody who actually knows what they're doing in 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 regards to that then then maybe we can give them to that and if it's actually as popular as people say it's going to be then then yeah we can we can follow it down and if not then it's the 25th anniversary we've done this big celebration we can write it off as a nice experiment did you see the trailer for the third sonic game mm, no for me, for me with with sonic games since since the early days sonic's has 
either gone down the Sonic Adventure route, which is 3D, which is super, super fast, kind of to the point where you're not even really playing the game anymore, it's playing it for you. Or they've tried to, if you look at something like Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog 4, episode episode one, episode two, it was kind of, it was 2D, but it was tried to be next gen and it didn't really yeah. work. So yeah. they've always kind of struggled those two things. Now, the other Sonic game that was announced was Sonic Lego Dimensions. Did you see that? No, I didn't hear anything about yeah, that. Yeah, Lego Dimensions have uh, got Sonic. Uh, so, they, right. the, the, so they're making that game. Now, it has, in the, in the kind of the gameplay trailer, it does have all the different things that you'd expect from a Lego game. The kind of the stuff where he's moving backwards and forwards uh, within kind of the, the, the perspective. Uh, there's little mini games. So there's ones where he's in a cart. There's kind of almost like micro machines as- aspects. There's bits where he's flying around in 3D. All the stuff that you'd expect. However... There was a few shots, and it was only a few shots, so I'm not getting overly excited, of a kind of a 2D element of him running around mm. that felt like this feels the right level of weight, this feels like the right level of speed. You're leaping around the level, which is th- a 3D level, but you're, you're going from left to right. It is a, like a 2D platformer, but it feels really nice. I mean, obviously, mm. there's elements like the fact that Sonic is a Lego character, which still which mm. is a bit jarring. But he seems to be going quite fast, but not too fast. It's re- it was just yeah. a, when I saw it, I was kind of like, "You've seemingly nailed what's been missing from mm. that that part of what Sonic was that two D left to right scrolling screen." You seem to have got that. Try to take a look at the trailer because it, it it was really interesting. I'll have to, yeah. Um, Dan, is this your way of telling Chris and I that you're going to get into Lego Dimensions because I can't go there with you? No, I, it, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that. I will. I will watch trailers to my heart's content, but I'm not going to be delving into that rabbit hole. When I was stressed last year, I actually went and went back to my parents' house and actually brought back with me all my old Lego. I just had it in my flat and like. You know, if I was waiting for like, the kettle to boil, I'd just like <laughs> build a few things. Like what? What would and you it build? It was just really quite what can you, what can, Chris, what can you well, build in the, the time classic, it takes well, to The thing about it is, I mean, Dan, I don't plan these things. I just It just started off this kind of really interesting kind of tower um, just developed. So was it um, an ongoing project that you layers. only made whilst the kettle was boiling? Or would you have to make kind something of. during that, I don't know, 45 second period for a kettle to boil? Well, again, like, you know, like I keep repeating it but like kind of like pokemon go i was it was just whenever i was there i just you know i'd see some blocks and think oh, okay i might add that i could see that there um it felt like a bit like a little bit of an architect in my kitchen and it was just quite nice and quite relaxing to have that there mm. and you know do you have that sometimes you go back and think, actually i'm gonna because i know sam for example there have been times when he's gone back and read like roll doll books you know you know, there's something quite nice and nostalgic about yeah, that. I um when I get ill, uh I tend to watch like I tend to like watch SpongeBob cartoons that I watched like years and years and years and years ago while I was at university. Or um sometimes I'll like try and find, you know, episodes of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles online or I'll watch Transformers or something like that. Like there's something comforting in the old and, and actually, one of the other things I do is I always um, I watch My Neighbours the Yamadas, which is my favourite uh, Studio Ghibli movie. I think there's something comforting in the safe and the known, where you just go, I'm not feeling very well, or I'm a bit stressed out. I'm just going to watch or do something that I know is 
very safe and yet still engaging my brain in, to some degree. It's the equivalent of wrapping the duvet around you, isn't it, really? Yeah, I had the same with the Batman animated series. I'll put that on occasionally. I mean, A, it's a masterpiece, but B, it's just it's, it's that same kind of comfort. What about you, Dan? What, what comforts you when you're ill? We've already established that you wear two layers of clothes. Uh, I think it's films. I'll, I'll, I'll look over my collection of films and I'll, I'll stick something on. I won't... What would I watch? I think it'd just be some kind of random band. action film. The Marvel films are great for that, that I can yeah, just stick them on. I mean, even even if I'm just trying to fill some time. I watched Ant-Man the other day just to fill some time. And I had a great time. Just to fill some time. Well, I was, I was at <laughs> home on my own. <laughs> my, my, my good lady wife was out for the day. And I was right. sitting there and I was kind of like, I'd already played some games. I'd already played some video games. So I was like, eh, don't want to do it. I'm not going to go outside and play Pokemon Go because it's too hot. So I'll just stay inside. I'll, what will I do? I'll watch a film. Watch a film slow. I'll Ooh. just waste two and a half hours. Well, it wasn't wasted because I enjoyed myself. Oh, okay, fine. Well, well, Dan, Dan, you must be surely excited about the new Marvel stuff that's just come out at Comic-Con. Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, Black Panther, the announcement, the announcement for Captain Marvel, The Defenders, Luke Cage, Iron Fist. It's, a real it, panoply of Marvel stuff. I mean, I didn't, I did because because I'm not fully up to date with all of those, all of the Defender stuff. So, um, I am nearly finishing Jessica Jones because of because of me not finishing Jessica Jones. I've held off on the second season of Daredevil, so I didn't watch oh, those because I didn't spoil anything. No, you don't need to. You don't need to. I don't need to. You what? can watch. I I've just finished the second series of Daredevil. It doesn't intersect with Jessica Jones. Yeah, but I've yeah, but if I'm watching Jessica Jones, I'm not going to start watching another thing at the same time because I'd rather oh, right, get okay, over with fine. that. But I won't start. I haven't watched any of the trailers for the new stuff because I haven't finished either Jessica Jones or Daredevil mm. season two. That's why I've not watched oh. any of that. Mm. The I mean, I've not. I don't know if they've re- they haven't released anything of like Guardians of the Galaxy, have they? I know stuff was shown, but they haven't released it. Yeah, they showed stuff, but all, all you've got is descriptions of things. Really, I mean, the main thing is that Kurt Russell. Which everyone kind of knew about. Kurt Russell will will be playing uh, Peter Quill's father, mm. but he's playing an interesting character. He's playing Ego. Um, I think that's the name of the character. Who's basically in the comics. Ego is essentially a planet that's got a conscience, consciousness. Cool. Um, and and in this in the film, he'll be the humanized version of that. So he, his father is essentially a planet, which is very interesting. Interesting how they're going to do it. I'm super excited for all of that stuff. Like Marvel has. I realized, I realized this the other day, actually. Have you, have you noticed how, basically, Marvel, the way they seem to divvy up what becomes a movie and what becomes a TV series, is most of the TV series stuff is essentially enhanced humans. That's how the Sentinels used to refer to them in the, um, in the, the Sentinel stuff in, in the X-Men. So, like, Spider-Man is an enhanced human. Daredevil is an enhanced human. Uh, that stuff tends to be a TV series, where it's a person who has been enhanced in some way uh, that they're, you know, bulletproof or uh, just incredible drive or can have enhanced hearing or something like that, drink a lot. Um, And then uh, uh, in terms of the films, it tends to be the super over-the-top superhero kind of thing. CGI CGI stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely. But they've been absolutely knocking it out of the park. I'm so... Like I'm just I'm just absolutely in awe of all of the net, all of the stuff I've been watching on Netflix from you know Dead I've finished season two of Daredevil that was absolutely incredible I've started watching Jessica Jones it seems like that's going to be really great that's brilliant I'm really interested to see where if they uh, you know move the supposedly there's a Punisher series coming Luke Cage could be really really interesting Iron Fist could be awesome 
like the defenders then coming together. I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure on what the defenders is because I think I think defenders is basically like a rotating. Um, it's it's basically like a neighborhood watch star version of the Avengers. But, it's but located. Been, it's like a neighborhood rather than but, say. But there's the lots country. and lots of different. Defender yeah, lineups. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the Avengers. The the, the roster does rotate, as you say. Right. Okay. Um, and obviously that'll allow different subsequent Marvel TV series to kind of be added into the mix. Same like yeah. in the films at the moment. The current Avengers is very different to what it it started off as being. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And ah oh, man, I'm just yeah. Like I would have thought I would have got sick of it by now. You know. Like I I mm. would have thought that I would have been bored of oh, another series another marvel tv series who cares but actually i keep looking at it going these are all just really brave choices like not to not to want to get like too overtly political on any of this sort of stuff but having a lead comic book series for tv that has a lead as a lady who is not overtly sexualized and two people of color like in two individual series that's not bad like that's actually pretty brave which is sad to say but like in the 21st century that's pretty brave decision making from from marvel there and I, I think that should absolutely be championed and every single time i see see this i just think to myself this is fantastic not to dismir- not to besmirch like what dc is doing but when you look at dc stuff all of it is you know white dude middle class gets powers like or runs into trouble or or whatever like that tends to be DC's stuff. Whereas with Marvel, they're taking risks. They're like saying, okay, here's you know uh, a black guy who is from the wrong side of town, but he's is not being treated as a you know a, a horribly stereotypical you know like gang warfare kind of a kind of a type character. Looks like they're going to have people from all walks of life in that in that series. Like Jessica Jones, a woman who is not overtly sexualized. She's a woman who's actually pretty troubled, like has a lot to work through. Um, you look at the way that they've handled uh, uh, the Punisher in Daredevil and they've gone much, much further down the the, the Punisher Max series, which is a, which shows a character who is not a likable character that you just want to get behind like this this vigilante who's just misunderstood he's just a horrible person who you sort of think is a hero like they're making really interesting decisions in this way i really look forward to to what they're doing with iron fist from what could have been some pretty mediocre tv series they're actually being pretty brave and doing some some stuff that you just don't see on in normal television let alone like superhero based tv adaptations well i would like to, i think probably the same with the tv as it is for the films is they've they're just making really good decisions about who they put in charge of these things they put really interesting people who are really creative and not just people who um maybe do big effects really well or yeah. do set pieces yeah. really well or can bang out a the, tv series the entire thing throughout all the films all the shows pretty much since it started with iron man um maybe maybe not incredible hulk but we'll pass over that um it was char- it's all been character based the heart mm. of every single film has been the character and you can't say that how about stuff that was in the past with marvel whether it was hulk the original hulk with eric banner they tried to make but it, it it became a just a big green man as he tends to do but that you couldn't say that that film actually succeeded in being effectively telling a good character story it was trying to it just didn't it just couldn't do it whereas now what's interesting is you have these people who are producing who are directing who are writing it that are very knowledgeable about the source material they know what what it's what 
the history of them so they know why Jessica Jones is a good character they know all the history about that yeah so they can use that and they can delve into that and pick into it and they know the beats of which to do that's going to give um, an audience who have no no knowledge of her a good understanding of her but also the the readers of the comic give them the little nuggets that yeah this is we know that the people making this know what they're doing because they've yeah, they've yeah. given her that moment it feels it feels authentic yeah it's not just this is a picture that was in a comic look we've we've replicated it on screen that's proof that we we've read it it's giving them character beats that show we understand we've read this this is the character that you've read we understand her that's how we've written her in the show as well i think that's what that's what's really standing out for them actually it's it's really interesting like i was expecting because marvel are pretty safe pair of hands their plots gem tend to be overall broadly speaking tend to be quite same similar with the exception possibly the winter soldier end of a gigantic climax possible end of the world kind of scenario but actually, I was actually more excited, well, dare I say, maybe excitement's too strong a word, but I was generally more intrigued by DC, um, particularly Wonder Woman, and what Patty Jenkins has done with that character. And uh, I, it was just a joy for me to see colour in a DC film, like something that wasn't just a monochromic kind of palette. It was quite colourful. It was quite. Uh, it was quite lovely to kind of uh, look at. It looked like they. It looked like they got a. In comic book terms, they've got a very good inker. Mm. Um, behind it all and um, I'm very much interested in that film even the Justice League as well oh my word there was a little bit of humour a tiny bit of humour in the Justice League stuff they showed us as well which um which which hopefully unless that's unless that's the one joke in the whole film well to to be fair I I recently watched because um I spent a lot of time not having not watched Batman vs Superman and I watched it recently and part of me wanted to jump up and down and go like, yes when they have the one joke in that entire film which is in the trailer it's the I thought she was with you I thought she was with you hmm just like give me a smirk that's all I need and I was like thank god you and that's they've kind of jumped on that with that Justice League trailer that it very much feels like okay you like the funnies let's give you more of those it's yeah. we, maybe it's because we didn't see Superman in it because he's a bit of a vacuum. Very and much. That, so. and that's not necessarily the actor's fault. That's generally no, the character. I don't know. The actor's pretty much a vacuum as well. No, yeah, I, okay. I don't. I don't think that that's the case with Superman as a character. I think Superman as a character has the opportunity to do a lot of different things. Like he's he's actually quite touching and quite funny in in some of um, Straczynski's work. Like Su- Superman Grounded, for example. He's not laugh out loud, you know, belly laugh hilarious. But he's not. He's not the po-faced, super serious. We look at Christopher nineties. Well, yeah, exactly. Like there, are, there are elements of humour to to the Superman character. I just think that it, it's that it's that age-old thing of we're making superhero things, therefore it's got to be ultra gritty and realistic because that's what's worked previously. Whereas you look at something like the Avengers, and actually a lot of it's very funny. Like same with Guardians of the Galaxy. Obviously, that is you know action comedy kind of kind of stuff. But I think there there is there are jokes to be had with within Justice League I'm sure I'm sure there are like there's some very funny quirky characters and in fact even Batman's got some got some laughs yeah. laughs to be had you know there are some in the Justice League he he is the sardonic one he is the one who is making the well, this is all going to go very badly Deadpan uh, sort of stuff um yeah I th- I think there is there is space for humor and it's nice to see 
nice to see a little bit of that starting to 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 peek through. I I'm really hoping the DC stuff starts to they they start to make their films a lot more like their TV series because the TV series work has been much better than what they've been doing movies wise. Well, they've they've had their course correction that they've talked about that kind mm. of after after Batman vs Superman there there was a course correction, some changes up top, which you kind of knew they were moving towards. They saw the kind of the reaction that people are already having to Suicide Squad, and thinking okay that's what actually people people want that slightly more light-hearted because suicide squad isn't is it's not that it's not gritty because it looks quite gritty but there is that slightly light-heartedness to it and that's what they they seem to have been kind of bringing in as yeah. well which i, I mean i'd yeah. say with with marvel they kind of their, their base level is comedy they they start that because they mm. know that's an easy ex- access point to everyone if you nail yeah. that then you can add on all the glitz and all the explosions and at the end of it if there's a funny quip doesn't matter if you got bored by the explosion you still have a little snigger at the end and that's mm. where, where where they sit so I went to the theatre last week a tiny little theatre in Liverpool called the Lantern Theatre great little yeah. space and okay. as you're aware being you know former drama students as we were at university mm-hmm. a lot of people when they've, when they've created a theatre show and they want to take it to the Edinburgh Fringe before they take it to the Edinburgh Fringe they do a thing called previews yes. where they'll present it in small little theatres just to try it out and see how it sits with an audience and may make some you know last minute tweaks before they take it to Edinburgh and I listen to a podcast, and I know you do, Pete. I think you do ta- da- as well, Dan, called No Such Thing as a Fish. Yep. Brilliant podcast. It's like um, it's, it's, it's uh, presented by the QILs, and QI is this fantastic um, quiz show in the UK and the BBC. It's all about being interesting. It's all about trivia. It's about just knowing random things. Mm. And the people who re- do, are researchers for that show they create a podcast where each week they each present something interesting they've discovered that week. It's basically like a fact every 30 seconds, and it's a really interesting podcast. And one of their number, Andrew Hunter-Murray, is also a very talented performer with an improv group. And he did a, he's doing a one-man show, which is currently going, it's going to the Edinburgh Fringe uh, this August. So check it out there. And I heard it was happening, and it's, the theatre is literally about 10 minutes walk from my flat. So I thought I'd go and see him. And I went there, and it's basically, it's a, it's a fantastic performance about a pub quiz. And he's his quiz master that's doing a quiz that's basically dying on its ass. <laughs> it's sponsored by a funeral directors. So it, between each round, he has to do some kind of sponsorship thing about them, which is basically a, a really, a quote that's really, really kind of miserable and bleak, <laughs> like from Nietzsche. And remember, folks, once you stare into the abyss, the abyss will stare back at you. Um <laughs> And you know, and the prize at the end of the quiz is the tombstone, which is on stage. Oh, right. It's a fantastic show. I don't want to spoil too much about it because it's really interesting. And basically, the audience is cast in uh, different as different quiz teams. At the end of each round, he reads out your score. There's no real audience interaction in that sense, um, but it was just a really fun night. It was about an hour long, and there is audience interaction, and it resulted in me going on stage with him at the end and essentially doing a, a tiny little bit with him and um, yeah, hugging him. You hugged him. You hugged yeah, it was and, part of the Andrew Hunter-Murray. Yeah, yeah, it was part of the show kind of thing. I, I spoke to him afterwards and I said, I was saying thank you for his show and, you know, how it was a really, I really enjoyed the podcast, you know, QI and that, and no such thing as a fish, one of the things that really helped me through my PhD because, you know, it's really, it's lighthearted bants and it's really interesting and he was really generally touched by that. And oh. it was quite cool, cool thing to say. But you got to I've, hug him. What does he, okay, okay. What does he smell this, like? Yeah, what does he smell like? I don't know. Um, he smelled of trivia. When I well, when I think of him, when I listen to him, I I just think he I I think he smells like, like sort of 
nice warm biscuits. He's a very lovely chap. He's a really lovely chap, and it's yeah. a fantastic show. And like anyone, any listeners going to the Edinburgh Fringe, you should check it out. It's absolutely brilliant. So the toilet, um, the the, the um, those those guys, they 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 do their podcast live every once in a while. I'm sure we'll get there at some point when we're big and famous. Um, they, <laughs> they they tour around they tour around uh, theatres and they do live versions of um, uh, No Such Thing as a Fish, and I've. I missed them when they came to Bristol last time. I was absolutely kicking myself. And the only time I found out that it was on was when they when they were like, this time live from Bristol, yay! And I was like, no, because I wanted it. Um, and actually, yeah, I, I, I've, gosh, I'm sort of jealous of you now, Chris. It was brilliant, honestly. You should check, check that show out if you go into Edinburgh Fringe. I mean, he's, he's got one of those fantastic brains. He can just improvise very fast on the spot. Hmm. You know, those improvisers are so talented that you think everything's scripted, but it is just him thinking on his feet. Have you, have you guys started going down the? Because we're all thirty now, right? Yes. Yes, we are. I think uh, the biological clock is ticking, and I've started making really bad dad jokes. So, for example, I was talking with somebody. At You've been lunch doing that today, for years, Pete. And they were saying, and they were saying, no, but I mean really bad, and like, so. Uh, I was talking with somebody at lunch today and they said, oh, watch the first couple of episodes of this thing, but after that it really goes downhill fast. And I said, yeah, it's just like the Winter Olympics coverage. Apropos of nothing, like, just like, just like, not even, it didn't even contextually really doesn't it, work. Doesn't make sense. It was just like, oh, it goes downhill really fast. And I went, that's like skiing. I know, I'll make a joke about the Winter Olympics. I was just like, is it do you, when you turn thirty? Do you suddenly have to? Maybe this is my body's way of telling me that I that I should be a dad soon because it's just saying you're making these shit dad jokes. Why not create offspring so that you can embarrass their, them in front of their friends with them? Like, I think important point to make, Pete. Just just so you're aware that that is not a good indication of what of how you, and when you should become a parent. That's not the litmus test. I don't think there are other things you know you probably want to consider. You know, before you think, oh, I'm, uh, you know, right, parenting, right, give okay. that a try. Okay. I mean, I'm not talking from the voice of experience here, but I'm kind of guessing that my parents didn't suddenly decide they wanted kids when my dad said, actually, that joke I made, nobody laughed. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have kids. <laughs> that was Staying In with Peter Willington, Dan Frost and myself, Chris Darby. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit stayingin.podbean.com for more information and links to the comics, movies, games and more covered in this episode. And come find us on Twitter at StayingInPod. Thanks for listening. <laughs>